Building influence is something anyone can learn. It's an investment you can make in yourself and it can hold the keys to achieving your dreams and having the life and impact you want to have. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. I've learned a lot over three decades about building and sustaining influence and how using it and using it effectively can make a big, big difference in your life and career. Here on She Said, She Said podcast, we're digging into the different dimensions that help us build and sustain influence. If you thought being an influencer was just for social media, think again. Whether you're starting a business, raising money for a cause, negotiating a promotion, running your household, or trying to connect with those who don't share your views, understanding and using the different dimensions of influence will increase your chances of success, whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast is a smart, efficient investment you can make in you. I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited we're on this journey together. Hey friend, welcome to the podcast. Today's episode is actually something of a bonus episode. It's a continuation of our last episode, episode 195, which was the first in a two-part conversation with executive and life coaches, Dana Hilmer and Wendy Parati. Now, Dana and Wendy are the co-founders of something called Camp Reinvention. It's a global company that offers transformational programs, retreats, and community for women who are pivoting, reinventing, and creating a next act that they're excited about. Wendy and Dana bring more than 30 years of coaching and training experience to Camp Reinvention and to this conversation, and they've been featured on hundreds of podcasts, television, and radio shows around the country. They are also the co-authors of an ebook entitled Freedom from What Keeps You Stuck. I've included a link to the book, which Dana and Wendy are actually offering to you as my listener for free. So be sure and check that out as well. It is terrific. And it's a great compliment to both of these conversations. This two-part conversation with Dana and Wendy is really one of my favorites on the topic of reinvention and specifically why it can be so easy to get stuck and to have trouble figuring out what's next. Now, while Wendy and Dana are really specialized in helping women in their 50s find their next path or their second act, as it were, their advice is spot on for women and probably men of any age who are having trouble figuring out what's next and for whom change is particularly tough. Now, here's a newsflash. Change is hard for all of us. It's why there's so much value in conversations like this one, because we find that the challenges we face are actually not really all that unique. Before we dive into part two of our conversation today, let me take just a minute to recap part one from episode 195. Now, friend, if you missed that, please be sure and go back and listen. You can find it on our website at she said she said podcast.com or wherever you are listening to podcasts. In part one, we talk about how to start. You know you need to make that change, but where to begin? 
Honestly, that's the question I hear most often. And it's also one that I had a lot of trouble with when I started my own reinvention path. We also talked about identifying your skill set. And we talk about a four-part process that Wendy and Dana teach as part of Camp Reinvention. Wendy and Dana shared their own respective reinvention journeys, which for one of them included a break to raise her children, but that break also included becoming completely overwhelmed by that feeling of getting lost. We also talked about the importance of starting before you actually think you're ready. We talked about the traps that the duo outline in their ebook. And again, there's a link to that in the show notes and you can download it for free. And finally, we talked about how difficult change is, not only for the person who's doing the changing, but also for the people around her. And finally, we talked about how to navigate both the often challenged little voice inside of our head, as well as the individuals in our well-intentioned networks. Today, in episode 196, part two of our conversation with Wendy and Dana, we're going to dive right into something called the doing trap. Now, this is a topic that especially resonated with me because I get tremendous pleasure and satisfaction from doing. When I fall short or I'm not as productive as I think I should be, that is often the source of much of my personal judgment of myself. Does that resonate with you? I suspect it will hit a nerve with quite a few of you listening because it's super common. We also talked today about a smarter way to prioritize our goals. We talk about the power of momentum and why it's so incredibly important. We talk about redefining success and what that looks like. We talk about why we must stop shooting ourselves. We talk about the difference between defining your why and how it may differ from your definition of success. We talk about what it means to have a compass point. And Wendy and Dana talk about how they each define influence for themselves and in their work. So friend, trust me when I tell you that part two of our conversation will be just as compelling as part one, and I think you'll find so much value in it. But as always, I would love to hear your thoughts, and I'd love to hear what you thought about this format of actually breaking up some of these slightly longer episodes into two parts and then releasing them over the course of a couple of days. Your feedback helps me create content for you that's even better and that ultimately, I hope, meets you where you are in your journey. Here is my continued conversation with Dana Hilmer and Wendy Parati. Let's talk about some of the components that are part of the book. And one that especially resonated with me and I suspect will resonate with an awful lot of listeners is the doer or the doing trap. I can't remember exactly how you phrased it in the book, but I'd love for you to explain what that is and why something that seems like it's so productive and aimed at moving you forward is really something that can hold you back at the same time. So maybe one of you, if you would dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, the doing trap 
is tricky because we get a lot of pleasure out of checking things off the do list. I don't know about you, but I've actually added things to my do list after I did it so that I could like feel the satisfaction of crossing it off. Like hundred percent, right? So uh-huh. we love to know that we are getting things done, right? That right. is, we, we, we buy into this notion that if we're getting things done, if we're busy, if we're productive, we are worthy. And there's this kind of perception in our, in our society that busyness and productivity equals worth. And I think a lot of people kind of put their self-value on how productive they are. And obviously that's a myth that keeps so many of us in this perpetual doing, doing, doing cycle and never moving forward on the thing that matters and never necessarily giving ourselves time to be. You know, we're, we think we're human doings or not. We're human beings, right? And so it takes away from the, the ability to just be present and to be. And so oftentimes what people do is they will put their dreams on hold. They will put that project they want to do on hold. They will put that thing that really, really matters to them on hold. Because after all, I have so many things I've got to do. So many responsibilities, so many before they give themselves permission to do the thing that actually really matters to them. And the reality is we could all argue that we are too busy to do our dream, right? If we go about our day, always prioritizing the do list, we're never gonna get around to that thing that matters to us. So um, just anecdotally, I'll tell you a little story. I uh, published a book called Blindsided by a Diaper. Um, it was a book that I was you know, proud to do. I was very committed to finishing this project because I started it. But I started it when I had a newborn, a two-year-old, and a four-year-old. I had time for this book like wow. in the head, right? I had more than enough to do. I right. couldn't even find time to sleep, right? But I was so committed to it that I decided that I'm going to do one thing a day. And this is what Wendy and I talk about in camp, right? One action a day, one thing that pushes that pebble forward. I did one thing a day. I researched one person a day. I wrote one email a day. I checked into one agent a day, whatever it happened to be. And it took a while. It took longer than it would have if I had the luxury of days or chunks of time, which I didn't, but it got done. And so it's prioritizing that thing that matters to you and prioritizing it in such a way that you're committed to carving out five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, whatever it happens to be to move that thing forward. Because the reality is there's always going to be something that that comes in its place. You know, we all only have 24 hours in a day. And the other thing, too, is we have to get really comfortable with the idea of having a priority. Because most of us seek balance. We have this perception that balance means we have everything together all at once. No, we don't. We never do. Because if you have a priority, it means that you focus on that thing that matters most. And we need to make peace with the do list because the do list is not going to be done until the day we die. It's just not. So unless we can get, make peace with that and allow ourselves to choose what is our priority this day, maybe the priority one day is getting a lot of work done. That probably means you're not going to have a great dinner tonight on the table. Maybe it means the laundry is not going to be folded. Maybe it means, right, because you chose your priority. And then on a different day, the household stuff or the family things or friend things or health, whatever it is, will be the priority. So we have to get, I think, comfortable with this notion that not all things are going to happen at one time in our life, 
but rather to be clear on what our priority or priorities are in the given day and to be 100% present with what we're doing, right? Because we can't be in two places at once. So when you're doing that thing for your family or doing that work thing, be 100% in, 100% present. And then when you shift gears to be 100% present on that thing. So I think where the doing trap trips people up is they always convince themselves that I have so much to do and they're so, so busy and they are, but they're not doing the thing that's most important first. There is a video from a professor whose name I do not remember, but he's illustrating this by taking, uh, showing a big rock and showing some sand. And he illustrates how when he puts all the sand into this jar and then tries to put the big rock in, the big rock doesn't fit in. And all the sand is all the little minutiae and things on our do list. And the big rock, of course, is that thing that really matters to you. It doesn't fit in. But if you put the big rock in first and then you do the sand, the sand kind of weaves its way around the big rock and it, and it all fits. So getting clear on what's important to you, make it happen. And the other little stuff will fit in as it's important and let yeah. it go of something that's not in that moment. Yeah, that's such great advice. And that's a beautiful visual that you've just outlined. I'd love for you, maybe Wendy, to talk practically about how you effectively schedule those priorities, right? How do you take all the stuff that's on that to-do list that has to happen, doctor's appointments, the kids' medical forms, the taking the dog to the vet, um, finishing this project at work, doing X, Y, and Z, but also making time for, Dana, to your point, maybe making time to write a book. How do you, how do, you do that from a functional and practical standpoint? What's your best advice? Okay, you're going to hate my answer. Um, it's going to be different for every single person. And I think that's where we get stuck. We pull somebody else's methodology and we say, okay, here's what works. I'm going to time block, or I'm going to color code my calendar, or I'm going to start with, I'm going to do the 80-20. I'm going to spend 20% of my time on the 80%. I'm going to start with the biggest thing every single day, eat the frog. <laughs> All Every single one of those things work. Every single one of those things work, but they don't work for everyone. Mm. And so, the way forward on this is to be super crystal clear. Number one, practical advice. Number one is be super crystal clear about what you want to accomplish and why. That's number one. Because sometimes we think that we know what we want to accomplish, but we don't because the why isn't there. I want to accomplish writing this book. But if we don't know why, then all of a sudden it doesn't take precedence over going out to dinner with your husband or going to pick up so-and-so from wherever they are because they need a ride. So the very first thing, be super duper crystal clear about what you want and why Give your, number two, give yourself a basic time scale, okay? Because we need deadlines, right? We need to know, otherwise let the, it just, things just roll forward forever, right? Mm -hmm. Give yourself a basic time scale. I wanna do it in a year. I wanna do it in a month. I wanna do it in a week. Okay? 
and then create a plan that gets you to the very first marker of that. Only think a week or two at a time. If you try to put a plan in place that's gonna figure that whole thing out, you're doomed before you start. There are too many moving parts. So you take this week, okay, what exactly, what tasks am I gonna take on this week? Given my calendar, again, you're experimenting with whatever those systems are that are out there. Maybe you're gonna do the eat the frog, maybe you're gonna do the time blocking. What am I gonna try this week? The end of the week, did it work, did it not work? Am I gonna change my methodology? Maybe I'll try eat the frog this week because last week I tried time blocking, doesn't work for me. But as long as every single week you're moving forward, you got something done. Just the act of getting it on your calendar, putting exact tasks for one to two weeks, figuring what those are, you're moving forward. And that's momentum. And momentum, no matter how small, is absolute magic. Remember in the very beginning of our conversation, Laura, we were talking about that small build? Mm. Momentum is a small build. You get yourself rolling in an experimental way, finding what works for you without judging yourself, being super clear about what you want and why, teeny little, and as you get momentum, all of a sudden you've got more juice to get more of it done and the ball starts rolling faster. Yeah, your confidence builds, you reassure yourself, I really can do this, even if I make mistakes, even if I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love for you guys to talk about um, when you've decided that you're going to make a pivot, you're gonna embrace something new and different. It often requires, maybe always requires, that you redefine what success looks like because chances are, when you first jump out there, especially if it's a major pivot, you may not be successful or as successful as you were in the thing that you were doing before. Even to Dana's earlier point about you may hate what you're doing, but you're actually really good at it. Let's talk about this notion of redefining success and what that looks like. Laura, I love that question. And I do think a lot of women at this stage of life are wrestling with just that. So. Oftentimes we take on our original definition of success by our environment, by our family, what we see in the media. Oh, the people on social media, they look so successful, right? So all of our surroundings, all the messages we've gotten throughout our lives, we take on and we define success oftentimes according to that. So oftentimes any definition of success, any belief for that matter, is taken on in many ways unconsciously too. We just kind of take it on because it's what's expected of us, it's what we think we should do, it's what success looks like. And so at a young age, we tend to have this initial definition of success that's really more formed by those things. And as we go through life, our definition of success changes because what is important to us changes. And we learn more about who we are what matters to us, how we want to be experiencing our life, what our strengths are, what we want to contribute, what is the impact or the influence? I know that's your beautiful word, Laura. What is that influence that I want to have in this world? We get more clear on those things. And so certainly once we reach midlife, I think there's this natural reset that happens. And this is something that we find a lot at Camp Prevention is women coming to this place of 
I've been really successful. I've done all these great things. I went to college, check. I got the good job, check. I moved up and reached whatever level, check. But it doesn't feel fulfilling anymore. It doesn't light me up anymore. It's like, is this it? And so I think there's a natural reset. And it's really important that we do that because we need to reassess based on our current life, based on our current reality, based on our current knowledge of who we are and what's important to us to redefine success in our terms. And this is a lot of about dropping the shoulds, right? Life should look a certain way. I should be a certain way. I should have more money in the bank right now. I should, right? We do this to ourselves so much and it can really bog us down. And so it's getting really clear, like this is what life is now. This is what I've done. This is what I'm proud of. This is what's important to me now. This is what I want to contribute. This is what success looks like to me. And oftentimes we find that there really is a redefining of success because it's very personal and it changes throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think at this stage of our life in particular, it's really important that we take that time, that gift really, to give ourselves the time to, to really ask these questions of ourselves. Because if we don't, oftentimes we can keep pursuing this vision of success we had when we were 20 and it doesn't fit anymore, or we can be throughout our life, and so many people do this, throughout our life, pursuing a definition of success that we thought was important, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to us. And that's where we end our life with regret. That's where we end our life with, I never did that thing that would have lit me up, right? So it's really important that we that we give ourselves the gift of time and the permission to, to, to redefine this for ourselves and to really ask ourselves those questions and to dive in. Yeah. Wendy, do you think there's a difference between defining your why and defining what success looks like? Are they the same thing or are they different? Hmm. I think there are a number of ways that we could, that I could answer that question, but my instinct is to say that defining your why is that internal driver. What's important to me? What matters to me? Right. And then defining what success looks like, I think that's converting from external drivers to that ex internal driver and measuring yourself with the right stick, right? So if success has always meant money or status or position or whatever that was, and that doesn't feel right anymore, then I think the success piece is the way we measure ourselves mm -hmm. and to make sure that it's aligned with that why. And usually it's not, and usually, actually I'll say always, it is a subjective measure. Success is a subjective measure. And the more we understand that, the more capable we become of aligning our measuring stick with our why. Right, because if you live your why, you've experienced your life fully. And isn't that anyone's definition of a successful life? Yeah, one thing I'd love to add to that too is you are not going to feel successful no matter how successful you look to others, no matter, no matter how successful you look on paper, you're not gonna feel successful unless it's aligned with what's important to you. Mm. You're just not. 
And one of the things we talk about in Camp Reinvention is something we talk, we, we call the compass point. And it really comes down to how do you want to feel about yourself and about your life on your very last day? And how do you want to feel about yourself and your life today? And that's the most beautiful way to guide your decisions, to use as a filter uh, for the choices that you make, because at the end of the day, that feeling state is really about how you want to be experiencing your life, hmm. right? And if you're making choices that are aligned with how you want to experience your life, with how you want to feel, that can't help but lead you to feeling successful, right? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, with just a couple minutes that we have left, I'd love it if you would each take um, and define what influence means to you. That's a big theme in this podcasting, as you mentioned before. I'd love to know how each of you defines influence in your own life and in your work. I think for me, it's two things. Um, I think it's helping people see the best in themselves and to live the life that is true to them. And two is to help people see possibility. I think for myself anyway, I try to I strive to do that with how I live my life. You know, certainly as it translates to the world of women that we serve, those women that are over 50 and looking to create the second half of life they're really excited about is I'm hoping and I'm and I'm striving every day. Everything we teach, by the way, is a practice, right? I'm practicing every day, stepping into being a person that shows other people what's possible at this stage of life. And of course, the work that Wendy and I do in Camp Reinvention, and I'll speak for myself, you know, in, in my life, is to help those around me, even my kids, of course, to see possibility, to see see what is best in them to help them trust their own voice, right? So they can create their own vision of success. And I think um, to me, that's having the influence I, I personally am very proud of and, and that I'm striving for. Yeah, it's beautiful. It gave me pause when you asked the question in that way, Laura, because you know, the word influencer is such a big word right now. Right. And, um, and I think that everyone that we work with, I'm certain that everyone that follows you because of what you're doing here on this podcast, we're people who seek influencers, right? We're seeking that next version of knowledge. What do you know that I don't know? What can you help me to see that I haven't seen yet? I think that that's one of the most exciting things about being this age and a woman is that so many women are in that space and sharing and trading influence in that way. Um, and, you know, for me personally, like my own version of that influence came from my grandmother, you know, who I think she was. I always want to be the person who sees you, like really sees you, who really hears you, who by virtue of being with me, like you feel the love, like that's who I want to be. That's the, for me personally, influence wise. But I think what I've discovered is that in order to do that, in order to be that influence, whatever we want it to be, we need to be our own guru. 
right? We need to take in all of this amazing stuff from other people and filter it through our own set of filters. Make the connections between those things that make sense to us and trust ourselves to use that because that's the only way that we're creating, that's how we're creating something new. That's how our influence is individual, how it is unique. And I think that's what we're all striving for, isn't it? I love that. I love that answer. I love this conversation. You are both amazing. I know our listeners are going to love the perspective that you've shared today. And I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Laura. This was so much fun. Hey, friend. Thanks so much for listening. You know, anytime we work to change, evolve, improve, reinvent, it's hard. Our brains are literally wired to push back on change even when we know we need it for growth. And even when we decide to embrace change, those around us, even our most well-intentioned friends and family members may have trouble embracing our change as well, just as Wendy and Dana talk about in this episode. I hope you leave this two-part series with some great perspective and maybe a couple of new tools that you can add to your own toolkit. I've included links to Dana and Wendy's terrific book in the show notes for this episode. It's called Freedom From What Keeps You Stuck. They are offering the book to you as my listener for free. So be sure you don't miss the chance to grab a copy and also learn a bit more about Camp Reinvention. You can find the show notes wherever you listen to podcasts or directly on my website at she said she said podcast.com. There you'll also find complete transcripts of this episode as well as all of our others. Also, Dana and Wendy will be hosting their next live camp reinvention in September of 2022. So keep an eye out for that as well. Friend, in the meantime, please be sure to send me your feedback and your thoughts on this or any of our She Said, She Said podcast episodes. I love hearing from you and your input helps me create better content that helps me meet you where you are in your own journey. I'm really grateful you tuned in and I'll talk to you again next week. Until then, take care. She Said, She Said podcast is a weekly production of She Said, She Said Media.